Hey there, I'm Brother, Don, Brother Donnie Spano, excuse me, and um, I'm so thankful today. Let's go ahead and get faith for today through the scriptures. Um, today we're looking at humility, and we're looking at picture of humility. Now, in previous, we've looked at a picture of pride, and we've taken time to look at the enemy, the adversary of our soul, which is Satan, and he is found to be a picture of pride. And we won't go into length, but we find that, let me see here, that um, in Ezekiel 28, verses 15 and 17, it shows that his heart was lifted up. You could think of lifted up as being puffed up. Now, pride puffs up. And we find in Corinthians that love is not what? Puffed up. It's not proud. So God is completely, yes sir, completely opposite of what Satan had become. He had rebelled against God and it caused him to be an exact, uh, yes sir, an exact opponent. Or you could say he was on the, the opposite spectrum of who God is. God who is love. He doesn't puff up. He doesn't lift himself up. And yet Satan was doing that very thing. So you find he was as far from being godly as you could be. And this is why he was cast down from the heavenly places. He was an ungodly being. But the scriptures say he was perfect in all his ways. He was created perfectly. Iniquity was found in him. He became what he is by his own will, by his own way. And that's what can happen in you and I. And so we find that he is picture of pride. It said iniquity was found in him. He said he would exalt himself. He would be like the Most High. And this is one of the things we find with pride is that pride will look to promote itself Pride will look to exalt itself, but humility will allow God to exalt it. It will allow God to promote it in due time. And it takes trust to go that way. It takes trust to put it in God's hands that He will do it in the right timing as He sees fit. Whereas pride will put pressure and enforce and try to get it now by any means and any how. You can see how this is the, the nature of the enemy, to manipulate and to exert force to get it now the way we want it. And it takes no trust to do that. It takes only force. It takes only pride and self-will. And we find one of the key examples, or you could say characteristics of pride, is that pride is connected continually with rebellion. And with resistance. He was saying, I will be like the Most High. I'm going to exalt my throne like the Most High. I'm going to be like Him. He was rebelling against God. And in fact, He actually influenced and got many other angels to rebel with Him. So a key example of pride is rebellion. Now we're going to find a key characteristic of what humility is today. But before we get there, let's look at who the picture of humility is. 
And I appreciate your faith working together over this message. We know that God is anointing and causing there to be grace to speak these words right and accurately and for us all to hear it and to see it right and that his words would become fruitful in our lives that we wouldn't just be hearers of it but doers as he helps us and father we thank you the holy spirit is here and he is our teacher thank you he's showing us the right and good way in all of these things in jesus name amen so we see that and in fact we'll look here at let's start in matthew 11 verse 28 through 30 i believe we have that up here and i'll meet you there but one of the things we touched on last message regarding this particular series is that pride is one of the most common things in this earth pride you could say is the wide way it's the wide gate and many go in that way and narrow is the way i believe that we could say is humility now here in Matthew 11, we're, we have this invitation from the Master, the Lord Jesus. And He says, Come to Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. Why? For I am meek and lowly in heart. And what shall happen when we do this, my friends? And you shall find rest to your souls. He continues and says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you want the easiest way of life, this is the way. If you want to find the lightest way to go, the way that's not going to burden you and drag you down, you and I need to come to Jesus and we need to learn of Him. And He makes it very clear the way that we're going to learn is the meek way. It is the humble way. And so now... Let's go to Romans 12, and we're going to see that very thought that I just shared with you about how common pride is. How common pride really is. And we find that we are directed here in Romans 12 not to be conformed to this world. Now notice we talked about Satan, an enforcer. What does he want to do? He wants to manipulate. He wants to press us in and conform us what does god want to do god wants not to press us but to exalt us he wants not conformity but transformity he wants us to become a completely different creature he wants you to be able to take on some wings and do something you never could before you see this with a caterpillar Never once did a caterpillar fly. But a caterpillar does not have to stay a caterpillar. It can transform. And it can take on a new way of life it has never known. And this is what God wants for us. And it says in the first verse of Romans 12, we'll look through verse 3. And he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now this is an act of humility. To present oneself, to submit oneself, is an act of humbling oneself. And if you and I won't do it, God would have to enforce us. He would have to manipulate us. He would have to press us and make us do it. 
and He won't ever. So if you and I don't present ourselves as living sacrifices, we won't be presented. We won't have, God won't have His way in and through us. And it's not His fault. He's waiting on us to do our part. And so in this, we find He says, presenting yourselves, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The measure in which we allow our minds to be renewed, the measure in which we allow our relationship with Jesus and with God the Father to grow, is the measure in which we will perfect whether it is His acceptable will, His good will, or His perfect will. You want to fulfill His perfect will, it's going to take more openness, more relationship and fellowship with the Father. It's not going to be overnight that you're going to see everything that He would have you to do. He knows where your trust level is at. And the things He would have you do, they're going to get bigger. They're going to get grander. And you're going to have to take some trust for Him to be enabled to do that with you. And so we find here it's saying, Humble yourselves, present yourselves, and don't be conformed, but be transformed. For I say, it says in the third verse, through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself or their selves more highly than they ought to think. This is connected with us presenting ourselves, with us being transformed, is what? Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we should think. That doesn't mean think nothing of ourselves. That's not what it's saying at all. But it is connecting this very principle with faith and with the lifestyle of faith. Let's continue reading it because that's not the completion of that verse. It says, Not to think of their selves more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. The measure of faith that we have when it is to grow and be useful, it's going to be used in a way that is honest and true, a way that is in humility, a way that sees it for what it is. And there is this complete connection between humility, which is the way of Jesus, and a lifestyle of faith. They are inseparable. And it's connected completely with what? Thinking of ourselves in the right tone, the right way, which is resisting pride. Because pride is going to believe a lie about ourselves. It's going to believe something that's not true. It's going to allow ourselves to be puffed up. And let's be honest, the vast majority of the people around us are allowing this. They are yielding to this. So if you and I don't, if we resist that, we're going to be very different. We're going to seem like outcasts in comparison. We're going to be a very minority if we go that way. If we really come to Jesus and learn of Him, you can expect we're going to be a far cry different than the rest of this earth. And it means that we're going to do things very different and not everybody's going to like that. 
So it's gonna have to. It's gonna take some dexterity. It's gonna take some toughness and some receiving of God's grace and being enabled to overcome to continue and learn of Him. Because not everybody's gonna agree with you in your way, and they're gonna want you to keep yielding to their way. Do it their way. Put pressure on people. Enforce them. And you and I are gonna have to choose. Are we gonna continue to learn of Him, or are we going to be conformed? We're going to have to choose day in, day out, in each and every example of life. It's going to come up. Will we humble ourselves and learn of him or will we be common like the crowd? And in continuation, let's look at Romans, the first chapter, <clears throat> verse number four. And we're going to go four through six. Romans one, four through six. And here we find... It says in verse 4, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for what? For obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. For obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? So we've received grace and apostleship, they were saying, the position and place of God for their lives, for obedience to the faith is why it was received, this grace of God. Now let's look at chapter 16 of the same, Romans 16, verse 26. There's something to be seen about faith. <clears throat> there is a characteristic of faith, and it's actually exemplified through the life of Jesus. And we'll see it in more detail as we go, but we'll come to it as we do. And 26, it says, one more over. It says, but now is made manifest, or you could say it's seen, it's readily known, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for what? For the obedience of faith. The faith lifestyle is coupled with obedience. Now, obedience is the exact opposite of resistance. The exact opposite of rebellion. Where Satan, who is, according to Galatians, or I'm sorry, let me, let me tell that to you right. According to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 3 through 4, we find he's called the God of this world. And the God of this world is going to influence worldly, ungodly people to be like himself, which is what? Proud, lifted up in heart, exalting themselves, promoting themselves, doing it their own way. And this is, thank you, Father. This is why you see so much resistance in this earth, so much rebellion. It's a nature of the flesh and of the curse that's in the earth. You see it in children, very young. One of the first words that they like to grab a hold of is the word no. When they find that they have some control and they can dictate their surroundings and they want to tell you in all of your experience because they know better right now, right, at two years old, that no, they're not going to do that. No, they don't want that. No. And you see this rebellion. And it's not, it's not very popular 
widespread in this generation that people like this obedience. I mean, if I was just to tell you, hey, just obey, just do what you're told. Many people, that bothers them immediately. And they're, they're actually more comfortable with, hey, rebel. Don't put up with that. Resist that. Get that out of here. Don't, don't let them do that to you. Don't let them. They're more comfortable with rebel than they are with obey. Why? Why? Because the God of this earth is influencing and he's making it very comfortable for you and I to like to rebel, to like to resist, to like to oppose, and to dis... Yes, sir. To dislike and disenchant ourselves with any idea or notion of obey? Obey? What kind of world do you live in? Obedience? The faithful... The faithful group and the faithful lifestyle is coupled with obedience. It's throughout. So let's continue in that. You won't go very far in faith if you're unwilling to obey. Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> I know that goes against what a lot of people believe. But is it scriptural or is it not? Is there an obedience of faith or isn't there? Show me the rebellion of faith. Show me what you believe in the scriptures and, and teach that throughout the scriptures. And, and then, you know, let me know. I, I'm open to change if it's scriptural, if it's the Lord. I'm open. Hebrews 5, verses 5 through 10, we're going to look at. We find here, if we don't resist pride, we will find ourselves like this world. It's only in being like Jesus and yielding to humility that we will be found different than this ungodly world. Now, here in chapter 5, verse 5, we see, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said to him, You are my son, today have I begotten you, as he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh, so he was in the earth, in his earthly body, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. He reverenced God and his reverence for God. You can see humility in reverence. Humility takes its place under God. It sees God for who he is and he's over him over us and when we look at him in that way and respond to him in that way there's reverence there's respect and it is an example and a characteristic of humility and a humble heart and so Jesus was actually heard because he humbled himself and he reverenced he respected he honored and valued God and the eighth verse says, though he were a son. So you can see, even though he had all the deity of the Godhead, and he was the very son of God, the only begotten son of God, yet he took upon himself man and learned and was an example to us in the way of humility. 
And we see that here. It says, though he were a son, yet what did he learn? What did he learn, my friends? Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, when we think of suffered, we just think about torture. We think about, you know, uh, enduring things. But suffering, in all actuality, in this language, means allow. It means something that's allowed, permissible, right? And there were things that Jesus allowed. He allowed God to show him, and he would do it. He allowed God to speak to him. He would, he'd allowed God to say some things, and he would say that. He allowed God to shape his life. He did allow God to lead him to the cross and take upon him sin for all mankind. He suffered that, but there were other things he allowed. You have to understand, at 12 years old, he allowed God to take him into the temple, and he was questioning doctors of the law and learning more and more of God's way. Can you see this? There, were, there was a lifestyle where Jesus suffered God. He allowed God to move in. He allowed God to adjust His ways and show Him His own. He allowed God His way. This is the kingdom life. And it's the faith life. And it said that He learned obedience by the things which He allowed. And it's going to be the same for you and I. You and I will learn this obedience by allowing God to show us His way. And adapting ourselves to His way. Not making our own and demanding He bless it. That won't work with Him. Now, here we will continue and see, He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. And being made perfect, it says in the ninth verse, He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's look at Philippians 2, verses 3 through 13. So he learned obedience by the things he allowed, the things that he yielded to. He, he allowed access to. Again, Philippians 2, 3, and we're going to go through 13. Hallelujah. And so we find a great example of humility is found in obedience. It's found in submission. Obedience and submission, where pride was resistance and rebellion. <clears throat> and, hallelujah. Yep, we did cover that. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Philippians. How are we doing on time? About ten more minutes? Okay, thank you. Philippians, looking at two, verse number three. And it says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. How many things? Nothing. How much strife should there be in our lives? Absolutely none. Contention? None. Fighting? Reveling? None. In our homes, in our churches, in our businesses, in our professions, no strife, not allowed, or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind, we saw this in Romans 12, being renewed in our mind. Now it's telling us, let this mind 
be in you. There's a thought that you and I hold on the inside, and that thought becomes our reality. Have you ever noticed that you and I are where we think? You ever notice someone, I know teachers have noticed this a lot, they notice that some of their students, they're not in the classroom right now. Oh yeah, their butt was in the seat, but they're someplace else. They are far away right now, right? And where you and I put our mind is a place of residence. It's a place we live and dwell, if even for that moment. And um, the mind is a wonderful thing. And so it says, let this. Now, we are, let this means yield to this. Allow this mind to be inside you. Will you allow it today? Will you allow this mind to be in you? What kind of mind? Let's look. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The sixth verse in the Amplified Classic says, he said, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, he did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. So he was God, yet he didn't feel like he was being robbed by putting on the form of man. It seemed like a big demotion for Jesus, and yet he didn't look at it that way. And we're being told, let this mind be in us. That when God deals with us, hey, do this thing, we don't look at it like we're being demoted. Like we had it so good doing this, now we're going to go do that? Jesus could have looked at it like this, but he chose. He chose to look at it differently. He chose a lifestyle to be obedient to the Father, which was trusting him depending upon him, trusting him to exalt him in due time. And if that meant sowing a seed and going down from a God-like position to a man-like position, he was willing to make that kind of investment to please God, yes sir, to trust God and to humble himself, knowing that it was the only way that would enable God to exalt him to a higher place. There are certain things you and I will not attain in this life if we don't first sow a seed, if we don't first make an investment. And that's what Jesus did. And so it said that he was, it said, he made himself of no reputation, seventh verse, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he did what? He humbled himself and became obedient to death even the death of the cross Jesus is the picture of humility he humbled himself to the extent that no individual in this earth knows it says that the very prospect and notion of this crucifixion it caused him to perspire. He sweat. Blood came through his sweat glands. He perspired blood. That's the extent in which his physical body was stressed at the notion of taking upon him. You have to understand, he knew to some degree what it would be like to be completely forsaken from God 
and to have the whole sin of the earth come upon him. No man or woman or child knows what that's like. And he's realizing to some extent what that is going to entail. And it pressured him something fierce. And yet, how did he find his way out? He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And because he did, we're going to see it, he was exalted in due time. And it's a principle, a spiritual principle. If you and I will do the same thing at the direction of God, he will do the same thing in and through our lives. And we will put ourselves in a sure position for promotion, for exaltation. Now, we find here it said, He humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Ninth verse, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He never would have inherited that name if he never would have humbled himself. Great exaltation comes from great humility. And let's look together in John 5, verse 19. Thank you, Father. John 5, 19. I'm already seeing there's some things here we may not get to in this message. So, I pray you'll come back for more, my friends. There's more to see here. John 5. Aren't you glad we see a picture of humility? You know, you can't be something unless you see first what it looks like. And I believe you're getting a picture of Jesus like never before. John 5 verse 19 and we'll look at verse 19 and then verse 30 i just want you to get a picture of the lifestyle of jesus and it says here then answered jesus and said to them verily verily or truthfully truthfully i say to you the son can do how many things nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for what things soever he does these also does the son likewise now verse 30 and Jesus said some, some of the similar things. And this is a wonderful chapter. If you have time and want to read it for yourself, you'll see this get uh, continued, this very theme. And Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, so first he said, as I saw, now as he hears, I judge. And my judgment is just or is right because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. He was here. Not for his own will, but the will of the Father which has sent him. This is a picture of humility. Now, I want you to go with me to... Yes, sir. Don't have time for that today. Go with me to Mark 1, verse 27. I think this is a good place to, to summarize this. Now, Jesus had power that worked in his life and ministry on the earth like few understood. <laughs> and we're going to read just shortly about that here for a moment. Let's look at Mark 1, 27. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine, what new teaching is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do what? 
obey him. They obey him. Go with me to Mark 4, verse 41. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Verse 41. Thank you, Lord. And it says, And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this? <laughs> they saying that about you guys? About us? What kind of people are they? Wow. That even the wind and the sea obey. Hallelujah. The reason why things obeyed Jesus was because Jesus obeyed God. This is a lifestyle of faith. This is a lifestyle of humility. And this is when we come and learn of Him, we enter into a place and position with God that is more powerful than people know. There are benefits to meekness. And many think meekness and humility is weak. It's actually the strongest position in this life. It's the place that gave Jesus the name above every name. The most powerful name in this earth. The name of Jesus. The only reason it was received was because he as man humbled himself. Great humility leads to great power. And you want things to obey you in this life? Then you're going to have to enter into a place where God can say some things and you will obey Him. There's no true power. There's no mighty hand of God unless you humble yourself under it. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Okay. There's more, my friends. Come back for more. And together, because I want more of this. Together, let's come to the Lord Jesus. Let's learn of Him. And let's let that very same nature, that meek, that lowliness of heart, come into our lives and show us and make us to be more like Him. Amen. We love you. We bless you. And we'll see you soon.